I would see them putting in, you know, long 10, 11, 12 hour days at shifts, at jobs that they hated. They, they were working a job that they hated. They hated their boss. They hated their work. They hated it all. And yet they were still able to put in 12 hour days. So in my head, I was like, well, if they can do it and they hate it, I love this shit. I can like be disciplined and put in the hours and put in the work. you're an aspiring artist or an established artist, whether you're a content creator or I don't care, a real estate agent, a dentist, whatever, everybody in some way, shape or form these days is trying to make themselves a brand. Uh, and that's because that's what the social media culture has pressured us to do. And whether we want to admit it or not, we are only presenting the best parts of ourselves in our personal brands, right? Like we're not, we're not including the embarrassing, messy, unpolished stuff that goes along with the human experience. And that is why today's conversation with Cloverdale is such a palate cleanser, because this is a guy who does not put on airs for anybody. Um, This conversation is very no frills. It's matter of fact. It's very insightful. It's very honest. And you can tell that Cloverdale is Alex and Alex is Cloverdale. He is the same person in and out of the booth. And it's not very often I come across people like that. And so I really enjoy this conversation and I know you will too. Are you home right now? I'm home in Halifax, Nova Scotia, way on the East coast of Canada. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's like your home base. Yeah. And I know post COVID was it right after COVID when you got like your touring visa for the United States or how did that all happen? Yeah, no. So it was, yeah. Post COVID like during COVID, I pretty much just used the time to grind away and write as much music as I could. And it was uh, I remember, like 2020, I think I was putting go to song every month pretty much. And then mm-hmm. in between was kind of scattering out bootlegs and stuff. So after like as things started to open up, that's kind of when when shows started moving again. And uh, it would have been Miami Music Week 2021, was it? The, yeah, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Miami Music Week 2021 was sort of my first run of gigs. And then, uh, yeah, then the, then it was kind of like snowballed for, from there. So uh, it was cool to kind of come out of the pandemic swinging a little bit. And uh, I'm, I'm very... Some people had a rough time during the pandemic, but I feel like I like am fortunate of it. And I, I look back on that time that I like was able to kind of grind it out in the studio and yeah. like, build build my online presence a lot more during right. that that whole time. Yeah, it, it was all about how you used it, honestly. And mm-hmm. um and so one of the the big reasons why I wanted to chat with you is because when you had posted that video to promote this is high octane. I really wanted to push myself and push my sound further. For a while it was high octane tech house, but I think right now we're going full high octane, just music in general. You Mm -hmm. talked about this journey that you took, not just with producing music, but from making music that did not feel authentic to you. And I love exploring that topic because sometimes authenticity and making a living 
don't yep. always cross paths. So what? Definitely. So talk, talk to me about that video and kind of set the stage for for that EP. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, I mean, I think I like rewind a little bit. Um, I've always loved all genres of dance music. I've been a, a dance music fan and and consumer of all genres. Uh, I got in starting producing like electro and, and big room and more like mainstream EDM stuff. And then I got into the bass music stuff and I had a whole dubstep project for years. And then throughout that whole period, I whenever I was at shows and festivals and stuff, I found myself at the house and techno stages every time. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, more of my listening tastes were, were of, of house and techno. Uh, and so then started the Cloverdale project and was like okay i'll be like the cloverdale project is a tech house project that is what it's going to be and um and i think i very much was looking at other artists especially tech house artists at the time uh and i think there was this sort of mentality and maybe there still is that like if that's what you are that's what you are and Anytime you deviate from, from that line or, or deviate from that path, then that can be potentially detrimental to your career. Maybe other artists or other labels or other promoters or managers might look at you differently and be like, Oh, wow. Like, I can't believe they released that like techno song. I thought they were a tech house artist. I obviously am not going to book them for this show anymore. Or like, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't really know if I fuck with them as heavily because they're doing something else now and they're not just, they don't fit as perfectly into our lane. And. I mean, there, there's some truth to that in, in, in a way, but I also think it's more important to, to really just be true to yourself and be true to like what you love at the time. And that changes and evolves over time. And that can encompass one genre. It can encompass a bunch of genres. It can kind of, um, yeah. And so I think what going back to the, the, this is high octane EP that I put out back in the fall, the whole thing with that was really just saying, you know what, like, I'm going to put out some breakbeat tracks, I'm going to put out some techno stuff, all that kind of like still very much fits under the Cloverdale umbrella, but I wasn't going to be like pigeonholing myself into like, I must only, 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 only release tech house. Um, and I think that whole experience was extremely and still is extremely liberating for me. I'm like, not afraid to and, and it's been great because I've been, you know, I've shared some like maybe some drum and bass whips or some like, I don't know, a harder techno stuff or things of all different BPMs. And people have been quite receptive to it. And I even look at like, I don't know, John Summit's a good example of someone who I, when I saw him like ripping some dubstep tracks and then doing the John Tronic stuff, I was like, wow. Okay. And people were, were, weren't just being like, wow, fuck that. And they were like right. totally embracing it and, and were accepting of that. I, I was like, Hey, like, you know what? I, I feel like there, there is a world where, where people do like, you know, different genres and different styles and that are going to be down to, uh, to kind of like both. I don't know, like me and my friends, I know all of us, we're all fans of, of a bunch of different styles and genres. And, you know, I find most folks that are, that do enjoy tech house enjoy techno and might enjoy breakbeats and might enjoy something, right you know and i i do feel like it's more of the fans that cause the stratification between like the dubstep in the house than the artists yeah, themselves i mean because definitely. you 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 become an artist because you have such a deep appreciation for music and that's mm-hmm. rarely ever just one type of music like i know 100%. a big part of your background was like rock music right like yeah like hardcore rock. And so, and so that, that can translate, you know, I have, I have this friend who you would never expect 
she's my financial advisor and she's like, (laughs) she's like blonde and tiny and very polished. And her favorite artist is cranked at. (laughs) I'm like, how, how is that even, it doesn't make any sense. But so she's gotten like her husband into it because he loves metal and she goes, Oh, this, you know, this translates. Mm -hmm. So there, and I, I, what you said about John summit, like, I feel like that was kind of like the first really big public like bridge crossing, but it is cool to see because, you know, when, when us as fans, when we come see you live, it's exciting to get something new in a mix. Definitely, definitely, and those are those are always the sets that are the most memorable to me. Um, are the ones where the artist, you know, of course, like played their music and played their style, played what you expect, but then also snuck in some tunes, some, maybe some throwbacks, maybe some tunes of another style or a different direction that you weren't necessarily expecting them to go, and how they blend that with their own music and their own style and their their take on that stuff. Those are the sets that that have always left an impact on me and, and, and made me yearning for more and made me excited to like follow that artist are the ones that have always kept me on my toes. Yeah. For sure. And and I love what you said about, you know, you finally kind of broke free from this matrix when you realized you didn't have to impress anybody else. Mm-hmm. And you you didn't have to make music to impress anybody else. And I think that's so real. And a lot of people, I'm not sure. How old are you? I, I'm 31 now, so I'm, I'm okay. getting there. Same. No, same, same. I'm 31. I'm 31. And I feel like that was something that once I kind of hit that 30-year-old threshold, I was like, mm-hmm. wow, I don't have to do shit to impress anybody else. And yeah. I am way cooler just being myself. Definitely. And I think that's like a really powerful message, but it takes age and maturity to get there. Definitely, definitely. And I think and especially I think when you're like I don't know, pursuing a like an online presence, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of something that we're all doing <laughs> these days a little bit, yeah. is is like you know, you you have a choice of how to present yourself online. And I think in my like earlier days of of producing and releasing music and stuff, I like thought that I needed to present myself as a super professional polished DJ and what a DJ should look like and what a DJ should be posting and whatnot. And as I've, you know, I've been doing this over 10 years now and like the last few years, I like haven't given a fuck about like the, whether it's super polished and super professional, what I care more about is just like showing me uh, the goofiness, the ridiculousness, the good, the bad, the ugly, the whole process. And like, I don't, I'm not as hung up on making sure that every post is like super polished. And I think that resonates the most with, with the audience for sure. Um, And, and people really become fans of, of the human being and of, of, of the, the person behind the music just as much as they are the music. And, uh, so I, 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 uh, I've tried to like shed a lot of that, those stresses a little bit. Um, but obviously, I mean, it's still on the top of your head all the time of like, Hey, like what, what could, what could I post today? Kind of thing. Of of course. But no, I, I love what you said about, and that's, that's what this show is about is kind of showing the whole person, not just the DJ. And it, it builds credibility and trust with the people who follow you because getting a peek into your life, even if it's little things like, Oh, like, you know, he does funny dance moves or like, you know, just whatever it is. Yeah. It makes people like you so much more because they feel like, Oh, this is somebody I can relate to. 
Definitely. And I think it's that, yeah, that, that relatable thing when, if I was just, you know, showing myself flying around in private jessels, which I have never done, but, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't know, it's not super relatable. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, I don't know, John Summit, I like as a, our, our poster child these days, but like, I think when he like was on the come up and on the startup, he was, and still is just someone that's super like, doesn't give a fuck about what he's posting on social media. He's very like, mm-hmm. you could tell that he's just like partying one of the ravers, like everybody else out there. And, uh, I think that's initially is what like a lot of people like latched onto and why they, they, uh, were down to get behind his brand is cause they were like, Oh, this guy's just like one of us. Yeah. And, and that's authentic to him. He is, he is, yeah. you know, seems like he is the party guy. He was, you know, before he was John summit and, and, hasn't changed and i love that like on twitter too you really do post like really good advice and whatever's on your mind i feel like (laughs) it's a little bit of both yeah you have a you have a great mix and um there's a lot of like free game that you put out there whether it's like knowledge you've gleaned from somewhere else or whatever so what why is that important to like your brand i guess to to put that out there. Yeah. Well, I, well, two things. One, the music and pursuing this, this career as an artist is the thing that is on my mind at all times. Constantly. I'm constantly trying to think of, of like either new songs I can write or new ways to promote the music or new ways to mix up my DJ sets or, you know, designing the visual content. So it's constantly, constantly on my mind. And so, um, just from that, I find it very easy to talk about online and easy to come up with, you, you know, advice to write. But on the other hand, it's like, those are the people that I, other artists and other DJs and, and those are the people that I love interacting with and connecting with. And those are my friends. And, and I, there have been folks that have, have given me amazing advice and, and I just want to share the, all that stuff with, with newer artists too. I find, um, like, that that's where I, I feel like I'm getting a lot of my purpose out of these days mm-hmm. is, is, you know, sharing what I've learned with other newer artists or even just like fans. Um, it's, uh, I don't know. I get, I get a lot out of it and I really enjoy it. And I, I it's my favorite thing to talk about. I could talk about music all day, every day. And, uh, it's fine. Uh, one of my good friends here, he's just one of my good IR, IRL friends here in Halifax mm-hmm. that started on his, producing music journey and started to release music. And the other day he called me up and I talked with him for like an hour and a half. I'm like, do you try this? Do you try this? Do you try this? And I, it's just like that one thing that I'm just super, super, super happy to talk about at all times. And so I, uh, yeah, I think I, it just naturally kind of spews out of me on, on either like Twitter or threads or Instagram or whatever. Um, because it's just often like the thing that's on my mind the most. (laughs) That's That's really cool. And I mean, that's the mark of somebody who lives and breathes music. And it's clearly more than just a career to you. Like it is part of your identity. Oh, big time, big time. Maybe, maybe to a fault, but Hey, (laughs) I find most, most, uh, yeah, most folks in this, in this scene are, are, are in it, in it like full heartedly. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's a beautiful thing to, to be passionate, that passionate about something and to be able to make a living off of it because, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, those two things don't always intersect. Were you, um, was it always your intention to go full time 
with music and like make this your bread and butter or was it something that kind of naturally happened? Uh, I mean, so like I didn't start producing music until a little, like I was 22 when I started or yeah, 21, 22. I was, it was my like last year university. And prior to that I was in, I was always in like rock and metal bands and I was always heavily into music and recording studios. And, and I had like, a whole little like recording setup at home, but it was like from that side of things, the rock and metal side. Um, but then when I was away at university, it was just me alone. I didn't have anybody else to jam with. I like can't sing for shit, nor can I play the drums. And so it was pretty much just me and a guitar, which doesn't work out too well (laughs) when you want to write a song. And so I was like, Hey, and at the same time, I was also really getting into going raving and going out to shows and, and really getting into electronic music. And I actually remember the very, very specific point. My buddy was like, Hey, like, how do you think this song was made? And it was a Calvin Harris song that was on at the time. And I was like, Well, like, I know there's this software called like FL Studio or Ableton. And like, you can kind of program in where the sounds go, whatever. I'm like, I kind of have a vague idea. I'm like, Give me, give me like a couple weeks. And it was the, during the summer. And I went home and I downloaded it right away. And like a couple weeks later, I like had a song and I was just, I pure curiosity of like, how, the, how was this music made? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, so that just opened up a giant rabbit hole of me, like just every day learning new things. And I, I came at it from the, like, I really love learning software, which sounds kind of crazy, okay. but I, I, I like, uh, came from a graphic design video editing. That was what I thought my career was going to be. Okay. I was studying media and film at school. And yeah, so I kind of thought I was going to do maybe like freelance multimedia, kind of what the, the photo guys do at the shows these days. I, I often find myself, I'm like, wow, I very well could have been doing that. Um, but uh, when I, so I left university, I randomly went and taught English in Korea for two years. Oh, wow. <laughs> which was super fun. I had a blast doing cool. that. But while I was there, I had a lot of free time. And all my free time, I just spent writing music. And I was uploading it to SoundCloud. And it was in like the SoundCloud heyday. So it would have been like 2013, 2014. Mm-hmm. And back then, you could put a song on SoundCloud, and it would like do numbers. Mm-hmm. And it would do, do pretty well. Like even whether it was good or bad or whatever, and like one repost, I remember one time I had one of my songs reposted by the the Chainsmokers, and it got like a hundred thousand plays in a couple days, and it was just like like that sort of thing doesn't happen anymore. But I think what it did is it gave me a boost of like, oh, dude, like you're seeing really big numbers. Maybe this is like a potential option like i didn't actually at that at that time think wow this is a really really viable career option until i started seeing some of those some of the feedback coming through and then for sure and then immediately i was like okay well i gotta get i gotta at least give this a solid try a solid attempt but i i knew that it was never going to be something that i could like kind of be chipping away at at the side and have it be turn into my career just because i I just know how much work would be involved into like really fully turning it into your full-time career. And so when I came back from Korea, I was kind of doing a bunch of odd jobs. I was doing some like freelance graphic design stuff. I was doing some video editing stuff. Um, and 
just making, you know, a few hundred bucks here, a few hundred bucks there. A buddy of mine hit me up and he was like, Hey, do you want to come move to Halifax, which is where I live now? He's like, I need a roommate. And at the time, the rent was $500 a month in this house. It was dirt, dirt cheap. Wow. And, and at the time, I had like a cell phone bill. I didn't have too many other bills. And so I kept my bills super, 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 super low, as low as I could. Mm. And then I was like, okay, so all I need to do is make, I don't know, like a thousand bucks a month, kind of, which for, for that first year and a half, that's probably what I was living off of, maybe around a thousand dollars a month. And so I'd make that in a couple of days or however many days it took me to, to make that maybe a week. And then the rest of my time I dedicated to writing music and building my artist career. And I would just make enough money to survive. And then everything else, it was just like, write music, write music, write, write music. Cause I had friends that were either engineers or they were accountants or whatever they were doing, whatever career they were pursuing. Maybe it was a trade, whatever. And there I would see them putting in, you know, long 10, 11, 12 hour days at shifts, at jobs that they hated. They, they were working a job that they hated. They, they hated their boss. They hated their work. They hated it all. And yet they were still able to put in 12 hour days. So in my head, I was like, well, if they can do it and they hate it, I love this shit. I can like be disciplined and put in the hours and put in the work. Um, and so I kind of just like stuck myself in that mindset for a couple of years and, um, yeah, just was producing wow. nonstop, nonstop. And then, yeah, that, but for that year, there was probably like, I wasn't sure if it was going to be like, is this really what I'm going to do? Or am I just like, I'm giving it my all right now. But I think it got to a point where I was like, okay, well, there's no plan B at any point now. I'm like, I'm too far into this now. I'm like, really? And yeah. as I started seeing, seeing, you know, some movement forward and started to seeing some growth, that's when I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. there's no, no looking back now. I'm, I'm in it. That's, I'm in it. That's a really cool story. And I think, um, I think one, pe a lot of people can learn from that because there is a way I always say, so I used to be a TV reporter and I got out of that business to work for myself mm -hmm. and the women that I've coached to help get out of news. I always say, yeah. if you can quit now and go live with your parents or go take a part-time job and live very frugally and then make finding a new career, your full-time thing, you will get yeah. there much faster than if you just got home from an exhausting shift of working, you know, 12 hours, whatever, yeah. and then submitting some resumes at night when like you're sleepy and frustrated and sad. And yeah. it is so true. It worked Big for time. me. It, oh, I mean, yeah. I, st I started my business from zero to, you know, multiple clients in less than six months because I made it my full-time thing. And so mm -hmm. that's, I love your story because it is proof that like, if you just put your nose to the grindstone and yeah, you got to live frugally and yeah, you know, it, definitely. It, it can be hard for a lot of people to do that, but no matter what, you're going to learn so much about yourself and you'll learn if like that career path is the one you truly want. Yeah. hundred percent. If you spend that much time dedicated to it nonstop. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, obviously I was, I was, was fortunate in my like circumstances at the time coming out of, of, you know, leaving Korea and coming back and I didn't have, I wasn't sort of like in a, a career path already. I don't know. I, I was single at the time. I didn't have any responsibilities. I didn't have anything on the go. I just had time. And, um, 
and yeah, so I definitely recognize the 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 fortune that I had and the privilege that I had to like take that route. Um, but yeah, that I think getting my bills low because even even now, music's been my full time gig now for like five ish years, and you know I'm making obviously a ton more money I have this year than I was the the past previous years, but it's not. It's not heaps. It's not tons. And like, as as you grow, the expenses grow and and whatnot. And so you 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 still got to uh, like, yeah, manage it all and 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 be. I don't know where I'm going with this. But be frugal a little bit. Sure. Well, <laughs> another thing that I've talked to other artists about and just other um, entrepreneurs is yeah. that you can get over that first hump and get some growth, but there comes there should come other times in your journey as an artist, entrepreneur, whatever, where you do hunker down again and kind of reinvest to get yeah. to the next level. Like the people who, who f- fail or don't, you know, get themselves in trouble is because they're like, Oh, I have a little bit of money now. I'm just going to start spend, spend spending. And yeah. they're not smart about it. And then they don't think about, well, I can't ride this trend or this wave forever. Like there needs to yeah. be the next evolution you know, to keep people interested in me. Yeah. And so that, that does, it, it does take the same discipline that, you know, you yeah. theoretically started with. I, and I think I'm actually, I'm, I'm really entering that this year. And I think a lot of it maybe comes with, with the switch of the, the, the sound and kind of me just being a lot more comfortable and open with, because I think it's just been the past year and a half or so two years that i've been touring heavy and so that i'm still kind of getting my my toes wet on that front of things and so now that i'm a little bit more comfortable on that front of things i'm a little bit more comfortable with me as an artist now i'm taking a step back and being like okay so like now that i've like sort of established myself what do i want my like long-term five ten year plan to look like we're in our 30s now we got to think a little bit longer (laughs) which i hate that i i part of me hates that i am like starting to think a little bit more like that but i think it is somewhat important of just like okay like i i do genuinely need to make this work and really work if i want this to be like my long-term long-term career and um you know i'm right now i'm what i'm more focused on than anything is just sort of trying to build a little bit of more of a, a community a little bit more of uh a a a brand around the the sound the high octane sound in general and making a little bit more than just me and my music and more about like a little bit more of a movement a little bit more of a a, a, a group of folks that are, are, are kind of pushing a sound yeah. uh, on in north america a little bit the, the community is so key. I mean, you talk to any marketer right now, that's the, you know, business that I'm in or mm-hmm. any, you know, any brand manager, they're going to tell you that it's, it's not about like numbers, like we were talking yeah. about earlier. It's about how dedicated are those fans to you? Yeah. Um, 100%. Because it, it, and it's, and it's a harder thing to achieve because achieving virality, like, you know, video goes viral, whatever that's, that's easier than people think it is, but to get mm-hmm. people to keep coming back for more, like you yeah. have to give, give, give. And that's really, that yeah. is part of your like persona is like you give advice, you give authentic pieces of yourself. And that's what keeps people sticking around. I do. I'll ask you because I'm just speculating, but do you feel like, do you feel like club 
like owners and venues and people who book, do you think yep. they understand that metric yet or, or are they still playing like the big numbers game? I, I mean, uh, some certainly do, but I think, I think a lot are, are definitely still disconnected from that. Um, and, and it's something that I like, like, I don't know. I think so much happens now on, on discord rather than it happens on Instagram. And so much happens more on, on YouTube and Patreon communities than it does on, in our traditional social medias that we're used to thinking about. Um, and I don't know in my, in my like past couple of years of touring, I do most of the promoters are like older club owners that definitely have no clue what discord is. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I do think that they, they're maybe missing that, but I do, I mean, word gets out on which artists are, are actually hot and which artists have actual real ticket value based mm -hmm. on, on actual mm -hmm. ticket sales. And so like, you know, so, so and so goes and sells out three nights in LA and then, you know, like we, we know there's actual real demand for that. So I think that is probably where promoters are focused on is is looking at those numbers and looking okay like how well did they do in this city how well did they do in the city kind of thing um but i wish they were a little bit more in tune with like yeah like the the community and i think when that if they were more in tune with the community they'd be, have a better job of pointing like who's who's up next who's who are the ones that are like should we give a shot to that maybe they wouldn't give a shot to kind of thing Yes, it's the, it is definitely shifted from like there's, I feel like there's really no such thing as like discovery anymore. There's no such thing as like, oh, I've discovered this artist. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, this, this artist or whoever, influencer, whoever has 5 million followers already. And now we're going to put them on. Like they want you yeah. to walk through the door with like that established credibility rather than like helping you build it. Like you don't really see, yeah. you know brand labels kind of invest definitely definitely which is so counter to what the music industry used to be and used and yeah. and with the major label side of things like they used to find artists and then pump a bunch of money and a bunch of marketing and actually develop that artist and you're not seeing any especially electronic music you're not seeing that at all i've never seen that <laughs> and it, it it does make me i know something that moving forward um, which is maybe, I don't know if it's the, the move or not the move, but we're, we're definitely going to be doing a lot more independent releases because over the course of, you know, releasing an, I, I don't know how many labels I've released on now, maybe 15 or 20 or so of some of my dream labels that I've always wanted to release on these folks that I have respect heavily. At the end of the day, they're mostly just sort of putting their stamp of approval on it. And then all the grunt work that I'm still responsible for, I still have to do all the, the pushing and the marketing and, and, and I'm still going to be doing all of that, whether it's for them or for me. Um, and so I, I, if, if there's new artists and, and producers listening to this, like, don't be afraid of, of self-releasing. It's far more important to be consistent and 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 release consistently than it is to like say you had two label releases a year versus you know potentially two label releases and scattered with 10 self releases throughout you're going to do far far better and plus then you get to keep it all you keep 100% you keep your masters and then 10 years down the road you're going to have it all you're going to own it all That's um, great advice That's so 
That's really yeah. because you have to think about, and I mean, I'm just coming from the fans' perspective, but mm-hmm. the way music gets promoted now is on your pages. Like, yes, some labels have big Instagram accounts, but people are far more likely to follow you. And so it does rely mm-hmm. heavily on how you're promoting it. And I don't know what goes into, oh, did the label help make this video? Did they pay to have it produced yeah. or whatever? But you're yeah. right. Like a lot of it is on you and your team. And, um, and to, to, to people, to fans who don't make any music themselves, right. There's different levels, right. There's like producers, there's, you know, mid whatever. And then there's people like me who like have never, ever touched a deck. I don't care what label your track is on. (laughs) I I don't. I know. And that's, and and that's the best that's and, and and I think more of us artists, DJs, producers need to think like that and realize that and and sort of and I I think the scene now is even different than it was five years ago. Um, I think I think in the times of even say Dirty Bird and Night Bass and stuff, those those were and even like the Hades of Confession, those were labels that had real fan bases and allegiances yeah. to to the labels, and that wasn't that long ago. I say five years ago. Yeah. But I don't know if we have that today. The only folks that I would say we have that maybe with, like obviously Afterlife, that's like... Yeah, well, but, but what's attached but, to those labels is festivals, experiences. It's more yes. than just a label. That's why. Yeah. So if we're talking about that, sure, that's kind of, that's a different yeah. conversation. But in yeah. general, like, no. you know, it, it's cool. Like, oh, if this is like a legacy label or it's, you know, what? but like that really in terms of how much that matters compared to yeah. just do we like the track? I mean, it's, yeah. there is no exactly. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I think more people need to, and, and that's better for all of us in the long run. If all, if all of us can get away from labels and, because I mean, they are ultimately just taking 50% of everything. (laughs) <laughs> for 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 what not a lot not a lot to put their stamp on it and like make the artwork and like if you really want you can take the time to learn how to make some artwork <laughs> so yeah. anyways it's no i i know i know it's a, a touchy subject but i think it's really important for people to hear um because we all tend to get caught up in our own vanity metrics right like yeah definitely like, i i like let me say something that's Maybe I shouldn't say this, but we're being authentic and real here, right? <laughs> yeah. I have this vanity metric where I feel like I interview these really, really cool artists, mm-hmm. like these bit impressive yourself. Everybody on this show has like been a huge win for me. Yes. And then I post the video, uh, the reel on, t- on Instagram, whatever. Sometimes it doesn't do well. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what, what the hell? Like, this is a huge whatever. Like, how are people? Yeah. And then I remember I'm like maybe not everybody knows what that artist looks like and they don't realize who it is. And like, Mm -hmm. that's another vanity metric in my head where it's like, Oh, it's just impressive that I'm interviewing these people, but that, that doesn't necessarily matter to my followers. Right. So like you have to, you have to think about at the end of the day, like, are you getting wrapped up in this? Because you know, it, it affects your bottom line or if it's it, your fans are going to care if that's not the case or it affects yeah. your bottom line negatively, why are you doing it? And, it, and I yeah. think it does kind of feed the ego a little bit. Like I'm on this label. 
Yes, a hundred percent, hundred percent. And like, I'm not saying it's not important. And like, if I wasn't, I wouldn't want to be like doing this, having me not had at least some of those label releases in the past. Sure. Um, Because I think I think some of that stuff. And I'm still sending out demos right now. I'm still signing records. I'm still like in that system. Um, But I'm also just. I don't. There was a while where I would look at a self release as a failure, mm-hmm. as a like, oh, I couldn't get the record signed on a label that I wanted to. And so I put it out myself. Uh, and I think some other DJs and, and producers and whatnot may think that way. And it's like, no, like I, now I'm not thinking like that at all. I'm putting my best music on my label. I'm putting my best music out as a self release. And if like a label wants to sign one of the other ones, that's great. But my best stuff is coming out on my label my brand i'm gonna have full control over it i'm gonna have full control of the direct direction full control over the the vision of the whole thing and i'm not if anybody fucks up it's on me it's not on i'd have nobody else to blame um which is that much uh i i i prefer that that much more yeah Um, that's that takes a lot of agency and um you know i i i think that's again the mark of a true artist and and I think I, I love the mindset shift of it's not a failure. It's actually empowering. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I love that. I think that's, that's great advice uh, to end on. I, I really appreciate you lending me your brain. Um, oh, no worries. And- this is fun. I could, I, I could talk for hours. This is so much fun. I, I'm so glad. Well, Thanks I'd so love, much for having me. I I'd really appreciate you reaching you back. out. Yeah, let's let's connect later this year and Definitely. and and you know, catch up on what you've learned since because it seems like you are someone who's always learning, always always learning. Yeah. Always, always. All right. Well, thanks so much, Olivia. I appreciate the chat and having me on, and this was a blast. That last part of the conversation really had my gears turning from a business perspective because I, I like to say I'm a pretty informed fan of, of this music, and I really couldn't care less what label an artist release releases on. I mean, we all know Dirty Bird, right? Because of Dirty Bird Campin. Like that's that's more than a label. It's it's a brand with a with a festival and merch, and there are other labels like that. But I'm curious to know what you guys think if you believe that labels are important uh to an artist's you know credibility because to them the difference you know is in dollars and cents but but to us the fans there's really there's really nothing there for us to you know prefer one label over another maybe i'm wrong i don't know i'm gonna put a a poll on my instagram that's olivia mancuso with two underscores let me know what you think And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, best way to support me, super simple, share with your friends. And of course, I will talk to you next week.